0: Thank you very much, Pastor, uh, as we mentioned in Sunday School, we deeply appreciate uh, your friendship uh, and uh, being a part of this wonderful church as your missions family for, uh, should we just say, a long time. Um, but uh, you know, you, you it is true, people always say, oh man, it seemed like yesterday, and you know, now I'm one of those people, Say, so, yeah, wasn't it just, and then they realize, oh, I better not say it, because it was like 20 years ago, not 20 months ago. Uh, but uh, That's just uh, the way things are. One of these days we'll have a perfect body, perfect memories, uh, living in a wonderful place with the Lord who's given himself for us, and that will be a glorious, glorious time. Privileged to be with you for the missions conference. Uh, Pastors asked me to mention a little bit about the the name change, um, about, uh, oh, I'd say about half dozen years or so ago now, I met a young man that uh, has come on board as kind of a co-director. In a sense, uh, I've handed the reins, the day-to-day operations to him. And uh, he had created a website for us uh, to help uh, some of the uh, people in uh, Myanmar who were uh, facing some difficulties. And uh, when he decided to join with us, he brought the website and the web domain with him, and it was a wonderful name, Live Global. And um, we felt it was time to make a change with new leadership uh, coming on board. Uh, uh, a lot of uh, uh, even uh, our relationship with ABWE, the, the mothership, I call it, where we are uh, kind of uh, uh, melding together in relationship in a good way. And it was time for that change. Uh, So if you do want to look us, now we have a website. I never had one before because I was concerned about security with our national partners. But uh, we've been able to deal with some of that with each individual partner. They give us the information they feel we can safely put uh, on the website. You'll find some valuable information. If you want to know where we are, uh, with whom we are working, uh, the kind of projects we're engaged in, go to liveglobal.org, and uh, you'll find a lot of good information there. And uh, we, we hope you do. We hope you'll be uh, praying for those partners as well, uh, and for our growing team. As I mentioned in Sunday School, um, you know, we can get caught up in what is or isn't happening when we listen to the news or read our latest uh, news feeds. There's a lot of bad stuff happening. But that's to be expected. Nothing takes us by surprise. Uh, You know, the deceitfulness of man and uh, Satan uh, roaming as a roaring lion. Those things are to be expected. But uh, when God works wonderfully in the midst of some of these difficult times, it's just a reminder again that who's really in charge? And these last uh, few years, we have experienced God's blessing as never before with uh, this ministry, whether it would be finances, whether it be the number of increase in personnel or uh, engagement with churches in the states or more national partner ministries around the world in every area. uh, The trajectory is upward, and we're so thankful for that. In the midst of all of this uh, difficulty, let me give you one kind of example of what's happened. We were prepared unbeknownst to us for uh, the pandemic when it come came to, what do we do? We got partners all over the world, we need to stay engaged because we had already put an emphasis on raising up as many, uh, uh, we call them techies as possible, getting them on board and helping us, whether writing code or creating websites or preparing uh, any number of things for our partners. So when we were not able to travel we didn't really miss a beat uh, organizationally. We were able to have Zoom conferences all over the world, uh, ongoing. In fact, it even increased the capacity of what we were able to do. Now, obviously the face-to-face encounter, being there and seeing what's happening and in working directly with the people and teaching, and this, that's, that's the best. But uh, Zoom has been just so tremendously helpful and for all of our Uh, those on on the team with uh, technological abilities to get everything set on the other side. I mean, it's not easy when you think of some of these countries to get them uh, where they need to be uh, as far as uh, staying engaged uh, in social media, things like that, that uh, help us to promote their ministries and to serve them. So that's uh, been a tremendous blessing. And it's helped a lot of younger people that are involved in that area, to say, hey, I can be used. Uh, you know, it, it. we wanna send people around the world, but you know, we actually have at least one person working out of his basement and discipling people around the world, where he couldn't do that by getting on a plane and traveling all over the world, but they're coming to him. And as we expand this out and promote it, he's getting more and more people from a variety of countries uh, that are uh, seeking him out and seeking this uh, particular uh, ministry out and it's very exciting that we're touching lives that we would not be able to if he wasn't in his basement doing what he's doing. So that's just a word to some of you who are saying, I really can't do it because I, I can't stand in front of people and preach or I can't teach the Bible. Do you know what most of our people are doing right now, not most, but a number of people? They're driving trucks in romania uh, to pick up refugees uh, to help our partners there build a camp uh, or retrofit a camp that can uh, house refugees and so it's like you got a hammer you got a desire you got an airplane ticket uh, you know there are places that uh, can use your abilities Uh, if you are involved in technology and you you want to the tires uh, on this and give it a try there are places we can send you that uh, you know if you help them create videos to promote what god's doing there or help any number i can't even think of all the opportunities that are there but we have about 150 partners around the world and you say what do you need well we got 150 partners around the world so they have multiple needs whether it's orphanages or rescuing people from uh, the trade and uh, just many other things are being involved in hands-on kind of ministry there's so many things and uh, if you have an interest uh, go to the website and you can peruse it find out if there's a location a kind of ministry uh, that you might be interested in Uh, and there's uh, people to contact there and uh, they'll follow up with you and you know, and you, in being a part of our team, you can be anything from a volunteer to part-time to full-time. So, uh, we'll fit into your schedule, and as long as you come with a humble heart and willing to serve, and say, "Point me in a direction," I think we we got a match, and it'd be great to uh, to serve along your side. But thank you for allowing us to serve along your side for all these years. I mentioned in Sunday school, and I'll say it again here: Thank you for allowing us the privilege to be partners with you and to allow us to travel the world to find God's frontline servants, link arms with them and come over here to churches like yours and link arms with you and make the introductions and watch what God does when people come together like that. It's a blessing. It's been the joy of my life for uh, going I'm almost on 30 years now doing this type of ministry. And uh, uh, it's just fantastic. You know, we've got a wonderful team of people and great partners and great churches to work with. So thank you again for allowing us to do this. As has been mentioned, my wife's uh, mother is uh, not doing well. Uh, you know, my wife was, she's been doing this for a long time. She was one year old when her parents went as missionaries to East Pakistan, and they went by ship, Greek freighter to be exact, and by the time they got there, they were sick of olive oil. Um, <laughs> but one year old she was, and uh, then uh, she finally came home, went to Bible college, and we got married and went back out. So uh, she's been doing this her whole life, and she's honoring her mother by spending as much time with her as she can, because her father passed away a couple of years ago, and uh, you know, it's just a, a great thing that we could be here uh, during this uh, critical time in her life. Um, Some of you may remember uh, our missionary son, Benjamin, and his wife, Susie, uh, pastor, reminded me we're here uh, a few years ago and shared their ministry. Uh, He's gone through quite quite some things these last few years. Uh, He had a seizure in Bangkok, Thailand. He had a seizure and uh, they took him in to the hospital in Bangkok, find out he had a brain tumor and they did emergency surgery, and all of this unbeknownst to us at the time, and uh, recovered nicely from that, actually spent a few months there, and then came home for a few months, went back out, had an MRI, they found out there was still a lot of the tumor remaining, immediately took him into surgery again. So two brain surgeries in a year and a half, and uh, I'm just so pleased to report that he's recovering, uh, doing well, Uh, This is going to be a matter of ongoing prayer because it's the kind of tumor that uh, may grow back. And, uh, you know, they're just praising the Lord that they have the time they have to serve with their family and do the ministry they're involved in, and we're very excited for them. I had the privilege of spending a few weeks with them uh, just on my past trip here in the last uh, couple of months. And uh, I just uh, am excited about their heart for reaching people in Thailand for Christ and their passion for that. Our other children are doing well, and uh, we're thankful for each one of them and their families and, of course, our grandchildren. uh, What a delight that is, and I won't get on that. So uh, you you have them, you know what I'm talking about. Um, I'd like to share a little bit this morning uh, from the word and then uh, mix in some uh, illustrations with some of our partners so you get an understanding. We talk about, hey, we're partnering. What does that mean? Um, it's, it won't be able to get into tremendous detail, but afterwards, if you have a question specific of what does it look like, I'd be glad to, uh, respond. I, I will just say this, it's hard to define a partnership, uh, by saying this is what they all look like. Um, I would say, again, it's like fingerprints. Every partnership is unique because the culture is unique. Uh, their training is unique. The religion that surrounds them is unique. And, and so you have to be flexible. It's one of our hallmarks of flexibility, generosity, uh, humility. Uh, it's what we train our people in when they come in. And, and it's not just something we say. You have to be flexible and work with that partner. And so every partnership is really kind of customized. Uh, there, is, there are some basics uh, in each partnership. Uh, but uh, overall you have to be flexible in how you uh, uh, create this so that you're meeting the real need, not a need that you're creating in your own mind or forcing upon them and uh, uh, serving them along the way. But we'll share uh, some illustrations uh, this morning. Romans 15 verse 20, we use this as our launch point today maybe a verse familiar to a number of you. It's one that I like, and I've used this verse, read it many, many times. I probably have read it here in the past. Um, In Romans 15, 20, Paul says, it has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation Great verse. I love it. Here is Paul rolling up his sleeves and saying, point me in the direction where they never heard about Jesus. I'm on that. He didn't want to go where somebody had already been, and there were people that said, oh, yeah, yeah, we've heard, and we've got the scrolls, and we're reading, and we're learning. That's great. That's great. But who hasn't heard? Paul was on the lookout for the lost. That was his life. Now, not everybody is wired that way uh, to be kind of with their binoculars on the cliff looking out there and saying, where are they at? I'm going to reach them. I'm going to be the first. But Paul was. It's interesting. It says it's his ambition. Now, ambition is easy to describe. You get up in the morning. It's the first thing on your mind. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go find these people. I'm going to go. It's it's what drives you. And that's what it was in Paul's life. And as you obviously read through the New Testament, you could see it it drove him his entire life. Well, that's a nice thing to say, that it's his ambition to make Christ known where he's not known. He doesn't want to be building somebody else's foundation. But I'd like to take a step before that and say, why would he make that statement? What were the things that motivated him to say that? It's one thing to say it, it's kind of nice. I'd like to have it you know, on my mirror and read that every morning and say, yeah, that's a great idea. And then you walk away and you forget, oh yeah, what was that thing it said? Uh, well, I'll get a cup of coffee, I got things to do. Uh, and you move on with life. But uh, it's another thing to be so motivated that it drives you for your enti- the entire life. Um, AND SO I WOULD LIKE US TO LOOK AT SOME MOTIVATIONS TODAY. WHAT ARE THOSE THINGS THAT MOTIVATED PAUL TO BE ABLE TO MAKE A STATEMENT LIKE THIS AND TO LIVE IT OUT? AND MIGHT THOSE MOTIVATIONS BE THINGS WE MIGHT BE ABLE TO HOLD CLOSE TO OUR HEARTS AND SAY, LORD, HELP ME. HELP ME TO BE MOTIVATED BY THESE VERY SAME THINGS. I WANT TO BE AMBITIOUS FOR THE CAUSE OF CHRIST. Now. He's written a lot of the New Testament, so we can go to a lot of places and read a lot of motivations. But for our time, I'm going to look quickly at three of them. If you turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, I want to preface this by saying it's an awesome chapter. There's a lot in there. We're not going to get into a lot of it. We're going to look at some select passages which I think highlight for us those things that I believe motivated Paul. And that should be a reminder to us and and maybe prod us along in our processes as we think through what should motivate us and how should we be motivated. This passage is a powerful passage in that regard is that it it highlights some things that uh, uh, might make us pause and say, how does this work in my life? AND WHAT DOES THIS MEAN TO ME? SO that's, THAT'S KIND OF MY MOTIVATION THIS MORNING, IS THAT WE'LL ALL LOOK AT THIS TOGETHER AND SAY, OKAY, PAUL, LET'S WALK THROUGH THIS. TALK TO ME, LORD. TALK TO ME, HOLY SPIRIT, AND HELP ME TO, uh, to BE MOTIVATED BY THE SAME THINGS PAUL WAS MOTIVATED BY. WELL, AS WE LOOK AT THIS PASSAGE, uh, I'D LIKE TO GO ALL THE WAY DOWN TO... Uh, WELL, LET ME JUST SAY, THE FIRST FEW VERSES, IT'S ALL TALKING ABOUT THE FUTURE. TALKING ABOUT... Uh, you know, Paul's, I'm in the body now, and, you know, if I wasn't, I, this, it would be this way. And he's It's just so much going on as he's thinking about the future and thinking about the reality of where he is now. And then he gets to verse 10, which I think is the motive, first motivation we want to talk about. He says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him FOR THE THINGS DONE WHILE IN THE BODY, WHETHER GOOD OR BAD. NOW THAT IS A SHOWSTOPPER RIGHT THERE. YOU ARE JUST GOING ALONG READING ABOUT THE FUTURE AND is uh, you know, SAYING you know, IF I COULD BE IN GLORY, AND THEN ALL OF A SUDDEN BOOM. EVERY ONE OF US WILL STAND BEFORE JUDGMENT. NOW I DON'T KNOW HOW OFTEN YOU READ THAT PASSAGE OR ARE REMINDED OF IT. THIS IS A PASSAGE, BY THE WAY, FOR BELIEVERS. THIS IS FOR US WHO LOVE JESUS. Um, we're so thankful for grace. We're so thankful for salvation, which is freely given. But there is a day when, you know, you can't have a hall pass. uh, You can't have a doctor's excuse. It is the day you give an accounting of your life. And I don't know. We don't know a lot about what that will be like. I'm assuming uh, it may be the opportunity for us to Give glory to God by any any good servant that we hear from God can go back to Him in praise. It's our way of saying, Lord, this is for You. I, I'm glad we could do. This. Glad I could do this. It's for You. But I think there'll be a sense of loss for some. A sense of I could have done more, or maybe a lack of seizing opportunities, or um, who knows what. But the fact of the matter is, Paul is. Basically, in this one verse, he's saying the thing that motivated me is that I I live an accountable life. My life is not just I can do whatever I want. I'm ambitious to make Christ known where he's not known. And I would say one of the high priorities in his life was because he knew one day he would give an accounting of his life. AND HE SO DESPERATELY WANTED TO HEAR, GOOD, FAITHFUL SERVANT, THANK YOU. Um, AND I JUST LOOK AT THIS PASSAGE AND I HAVE TO ASK MYSELF, WHERE AM I AT? YOU KNOW, THIS IS GOING TO HAPPEN, AND I'M GOING TO STAND BEFORE THE LORD. YOU DON'T KNOW THE SECRETS OF MY LIFE. I MEAN, I THANK YOU, PASTOR, FOR THE NICE THINGS YOU SAID ABOUT ME, BUT I KNOW ME BETTER THAN ANYBODY. I know those opportunities that haven't been taken advantage of. I know those times when I've been down and out and you know, gotten angry, whatever the issue may be. I know me. You know you. And it doesn't mean we're going to make, not make mistakes and so on, but I, I'm looking at it from the idea of an ambition. Something that you strive for. You say, listen, I know that day is coming. I want to be accountable. I want to stand before the Lord. AND I WANT TO BE ABLE TO GIVE PRAISE TO HIM FOR THE uh, THINGS THAT uh, ANYTHING HE SAYS GOOD ABOUT MY LIFE, I WANTED TO GO BACK TO HIM AS PRAISE. BUT IT'S AN ACCOUNTABLE LIFE. SO WHAT MOTIVATED PAUL? HE KNEW WHAT WAS COMING UP AND HE WANTED TO be LIVE A LIFE THAT WAS ACCOUNTABLE. I HAVE A DEAR FRIEND. IN FACT, HE WAS OUR VERY FIRST PARTNER. WE STARTED THIS MINISTRY IN 1994 in June, or May or June, in July or August, I met this man by the name of Dr. Do Swan Mung uh, from Myanmar. And uh, we became fast friends. In fact, uh, very, very dear friends. Uh, I have four brothers and I would tell my other brothers, I said, he's, he's one of us. And uh, he stayed in our basement one time and. When we were at school he was here for a few weeks and you know and my son would bring some friends over from school and they'd say why can't we go in the basement he said we got a burmese man living in the basement you know they're like "Uh, what is is that somebody from the moon they never heard of that kind of thing but uh mung was there and we would travel together and talk together and did so much but he his story is one that reminds me of this life that's accountable When he was saved in uh, Myanmar, Burma then, um, he felt God was putting in his heart to start a Bible school in that needy country. And uh, he actually left the country when uh, it was hard to get out, but he got out and had to live in India for a year to get a resident visa so he could Apply for a visa to come to the States and get seminary education. And while he was here, he was a great student and a great preacher, a wonderful man of God, and everybody wanted him to stay. Hey, you could be pastor of our church. You can do this, you can do that. And uh, he said, No, God has sent me here for a reason, and I've got to go back. So he finished his education, and when everybody's saying, "You, You shouldn't be going back, he gets on a plane, goes back to India starts again its many days walk through the jungles to get back home and he's going in while everybody's going out they say no no you're going the wrong way he said no i'm going the right way going god's way this is what he wants me to do well i met him two or three years after he started the bible school and we began a partnership together which thrived through the years and there are literally thousands of students throughout Burma, into China, into India, into Europe, other parts of Asia, into America that are serving Jesus Christ because this man put his hand to the plow. And he said, it's my ambition to honor the Lord, to serve him by doing what he's called me to do. And I can't remember a day where he ever looked back or thought he should do something else or or looked left or right. He was never enticed by anything other than to do what he had been called to do. He knew that his life was one that needed to be lived under the shining light of accountability. And he wanted to stand before the Lord and say, I did what you called me to do. And I gave it everything I had. Unfortunately, he did pass away during the COVID epidemic. Uh, He got COVID and uh, soon after had passed away. But here's the amazing thing. He has four children, every single one of them are in ministry in uh, Myanmar today, serving God in tremendous ways. So not only did he go and do it out there, he lived it in the home, demonstrated it to his family, and they also are living those kind of accountable lives. So I look at Paul, he says, it's my ambition to make Christ known. What motivated you, Paul? Well, I know one day I'm standing before the Lord. I'm gonna give an account for my life. That's one motivation. Next one we see, and I'm so thankful for the music today you, you took my verses and uh, i didn't even didn't even get a chance to share that, but go to uh, verse seventeen we all know this one, therefore, if anyone is in Christ he's a new creation. And now all of this is uh, after the context above where um, He's talking about uh, he's got a different spiritual point of view. He saw people one way, but now in this whole new spiritual, spiritual eyesight, he sees things differently. Everything is different. He sees with new eyes because he is a new creature in Christ. Paul remembers Damascus when he was going to destroy the church and God said, I'm calling you. And Paul said, Lord. He gave his life to him, and it was a dramatic salvation experience. And from that time on, Paul gave his life completely to the cause of Christ. He sees himself as a new creation, which he was, a new born-again, brand-new being in the eyes of God as far as a spiritual being. And he sees the world differently. Paul's motivation, in a sense, was how could I do anything else but serve the one who saved me? And made all things new it's interesting a couple of uh, emotions that are at play here when you think about judgment uh, standing before the Lord and giving an account of your life and you think about those who don't know Christ there is a sense of the fear and the awe of the Lord because he's the righteous judge he can do no other but to judge perfectly well look at uh, Uh, Verse uh, 11 since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men Now listen, that's right on the heels of judgment day And he's saying we know what it is to fear God. So now I know what people are going to face And so out of that fear. I want to persuade people. So think about that. You got that fear That's a motivating factor But then it says um, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Go up a couple of verses. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and raised them. Listen. Love compels First of all, there's judgment day. Fear motivates me. Because I want to persuade people in light of the judgment of God. And then he says, I'm a new creature. And he says, you know what? God in his grace saved me. So love compels him, launches him out. So the twin emotions of fear and love, they can both be at play. The motivation is, I'm brand new in Christ. He has saved me. He has made all things new. How can I do anything else but give him everything I've got? That's a motivating factor in his life. And it's all through his writings. He sees with spiritual eyes. He was moved by love. I think of another partner that was a dear friend of mine in Bangladesh when I was there, and he was one I wanted to make sure when we started uh, the Gap Ministries that we would link arms and partner with a man by the name of Chopon. This guy saw every opportunity Every person in every place, every event is an opportunity to share Christ. He was so in love with Jesus and so thankful for salvation. He wanted to do anything he could. And I talked earlier in Sunday school about entrepreneurs for Christ. He was the top of the list. He, was, uh, he, he convinced me when to buy me, buy me a boat, he says. Why? I'm surrounded by all these islands. Nobody knows about Jesus there. And he says, what I want to do is get a boat put a library in it and a tea room and pull up and stay there for a week and let them come on the boat and they can read because they don't even have books and stuff I let them books give a cup of tea and I could preach Jesus all day long so he would take that boat and go from island to island and it was a floating uh, book room and tea room and just share Christ then he started do, he said we could do this in the villages and the towns, so that he would rent a spot and it was make sure he's on the path between the uh, colleges and the schools, so that people would come by. And hey, you want a free cup of tea? Come on in. We've got some books. Let's read and build a lot of relationships. Then he said, you know, that's, that's, there's still more people. So he um, recruited a soccer team of Christians, and they were good soccer players as well. And he would put banners all over town. Come, uh, give a price, just like ten cents. Uh, SOCCER MATCH, CHRISTIANS ARE HERE, and THEY'RE GOING TO DO THIS. So everybody, come. 10,000 PEOPLE WOULD SHOW UP. AND HE WAS THE HALFTIME ENTERTAINMENT. HE'D GET THAT MIC AND HE'D START TELLING THEM ABOUT JESUS. NOBODY LEFT. THEY ALL LISTENED. AND HE WOULD DO THAT AGAIN AND AGAIN AND AGAIN. HE WAS ALWAYS LOOKING FOR WAYS TO SHARE CHRIST. AND YOU KNOW WHAT? PEOPLE LISTENED. WHY? BECAUSE HE WAS A WINSOME WITNESS. HE WAS A MAN THAT WAS IN LOVE WITH JESUS. A MAN THAT ONE DAY WAS WALKING ONE WAY AND BECAUSE OF THE LOVE OF CHRIST, CHANGED HIS LIFE COMPLETELY AND WANTED EVERYBODY TO KNOW ABOUT IT. NOW IT'S VERY HARD IN A COUNTRY LIKE THAT WHERE YOU'RE DEALING WITH uh, MUSLIMS AND HINDUS AND BUDDHISTS AND ANIMISTS AND uh, ALL KINDS OF PEOPLE ALL MIXED TOGETHER, HE WAS FRIENDS WITH ALL OF THEM. HE COULD SHARE CHRIST WITH ALL OF THEM AND IT DOESN'T MATTER WHICH STRATA OF SOCIETY. All of them, whether business people or uh, people on the lower rung, he he was able to share Christ because he had a winsome personality. He was in love with the one who loved him and gave himself for him. Shapin sadly, has passed away recently as well. but his son-in-law carries on that ministry. The ministry continues to thrive. People come to Christ. and the hallmark of that ministry is, hey, that guy over there, there is something about him and his wife as well. They are a family you want to get to know. And uh, we're so thankful for that. He was a new creation and he loved his Lord. And he he just uh, was thrilled with the opportunity to, uh, to make Christ known. I ask you, are you in love with Jesus today? Have you lost your first love? Are you still... Uh, YOU STILL HAVE THAT FIERY PASSION FOR SHARING HIM BECAUSE OF EVERYTHING HE'S DONE FOR YOU? SHOPON DID. PAUL DID. THEN FINALLY IN VERSE 20, WE KNOW THESE FAMILIAR VERSES, WE ARE THEREFORE CHRIST'S AMBASSADORS. THAT MOTIVATED HIM. HE WAS MOTIVATED IN A LIFE OF ACCOUNTABILITY BECAUSE HE KNEW HE WAS GOING TO GIVE AN ACCOUNT. HE WAS MOTIVATED BECAUSE HE WAS SO IN LOVE WITH THE ONE WHO GAVE HIMSELF FOR HIM. AND HE WAS MOTIVATED BECAUSE GOD GAVE HIM A JOB TO DO god himself said you're ambassador you're my ambassador what's an ambassador an ambassador is someone who represents is someone who doesn't have in a sense their own voice an ambassador from the states can't go to a country and says well the president says this but here's what i think you can't do that you are sent to represent the one who sent you and as you see the passage here talks about having the ministry of reconciliation the message of reconciliation that's what an ambassador for christ does we are talking constantly about being reconciled to god so that motivated him i think of a man and i won't say his name uh, because uh i, I just uh, he's a good friend of mine and it's best not to say where he's located and in the name but he's in a place where um you know it, IT CAN BE DIFFICULT, BUT HE HAS BEEN ABLE TO SHARE CHRIST AND USE THE VARIETY OF METHODOLOGIES. BUT I LOOK AT HIM AND I CALL HIM, I WOULD SAY HE'S MY EPITOME OF A MODERN DAY AMBASSADOR. IF YOU GO AND SPEND A DAY WITH HIM, YOU'LL GO IN THE MORNINGS TO THE SLUMS. AND IN THE SLUMS, PEOPLE WILL GATHER AROUND HIM LIKE BEES TO HONEY. How ARE you doing, Pastor Doctor? And I got this medical need and, and education over here, and, and right—it's just amazing. This whole slum area has just been transformed because he said we're going to work here. We're going to get involved in the lives of these people. But then you can be with them during the rest of the day, and then in the evening time, all of a sudden you're in a different environment. You're in a Studio, uh, maybe a room much like this where you have the upper crust of society, whether business people, government people, administrators at the universities that surround that place. And they're all there. They'll pick a topic. They do this on a monthly basis or so. They'll pick a topic. You just have people come and write papers and give uh, you know, a speech on a particular topic. And uh, then he'll finish up the evening and say, let me tell you what uh, the Bible has to say about this and share Christ with that strata of society. And he does so many other things, but I look at it and here's a man who's just as comfortable in the slums as he is in the stadiums or as he is in the uh, arena. Uh, God has used to him. He's an ambassador because he realizes it doesn't matter who they are. It matters who he is and who, what I need to be represent Christ so I'm going to become all things to all men by any means to win some and that is that was Paul's motivation well we're out of time but I did want to share just in summary if you would uh, bow your heads and close your eyes we'll close in prayer but I want to say as you think about this These motivations, Paul says, my desire to be an ambassador for Christ, my desire as a new creation to uh, share Christ, and I have an accountable life before him. Where do you measure up in any of these areas as far as uh, your motives for sharing Christ? I trust that your missionaries have these kind of motives. I trust that your church overall has this kind of motive, but that you as individuals take a good look and say, have you left your first love? Have you forgotten your joy of salvation? Um, Do you understand that you live an accountable life? Do you realize that God has made you his ambassador? What a privilege that is. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the example of Paul who just put it all out there. He didn't hold anything back. He told us exactly what he wanted to do, what drove him every day, and, and we see his motives. These are just a few of many, many motives in his life. But it's enough for us to look at, and I ask that we would reflect on our own lives and say, Lord, what does this mean to me? How do I view myself in light of this passage of scripture, and in light of the life of Paul? And that we would go and serve you, Father, with all of our hearts, whether here or abroad, whatever it is you want us to do, that we would do it faithfully and is unto you, we pray in Jesus' name.